but then in other situations where it is abundantly clear there's no choice and what is the recourse is it when when they come to drag you away to captivity or to kill you with the sword that you fight back well it's not what it says it says if anyone is to be taken captive to captivity he goes if anyone is to be slain with the sword with the sword he must be slain and that's the sword I, I presume wielded by the beast governmental force Welcome to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, a pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. I guess a way to phrase the question would be, are Christians authorized by our King, Jesus, to use force in order to have our way politically, to have our policies enacted in a country? Uh, if a vote doesn't go our way and we feel like it was stolen, just a random scenario, you know, let's just say that that was thought by—this will probably never happen in America— but does Jesus authorize Christians to use any kind of force in order to have their way politically? And at what point could that be a loving thing to do? Could that be a really self-sacrificing, Christ-like thing to do? I think the answer has to be no. Okay. That he does not permit this to happen. Okay. And... So I think we got to we got to say biblically I think there's justification for that answer. Mm -hmm. And that would be Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate. Mm -hmm. On trial. Mm -hmm. The um if you want to talk about rigging an election, <laughs> maybe not an election, maybe a execution. That was it. Right? Mm -hmm. Kangaroo mm -hmm. court. Mm -hmm. The Jews you know, set him up to be crucified. They pressured Rome. Rome caved to the Jewish pressure. Another mm -hmm. kangaroo trial. He's executed. Jesus actually tells Pilate, if my kingdom was of this world, my people would come in here and take it by force. But it's not. Mm. So I think... um if there's precedent to say how do we respond when something doesn't go in our favor, even if it is, um, you know, even if we do feel like it's in a, in a, um, unfair way, how should we respond? Well, I think we have to take cues from Jesus mm -hmm. there. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would say. What about you? Yeah. What would you say? <laughs> I got you. Got to answer the question too. Jesus is the answer. Um, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, there is a fundamental principle about the division between uh, the kingdom and nation states, where Jesus talks about the kind of warfare that we are in, and 
it's it's a, a declaration of that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world, while he's also giving us the, you know, that, that would be a moment where I do think Jesus's, you know, the description of Jesus's life is prescriptive for us in terms of our kingdom priority and how we engage uh, the nation that we're a part of, the nations around us. I think a pushback might be out there, you know, like, well, we're we're America, okay? Uh, we were founded on a revolution of uh, religious liberty. We're founded on, you know, taxation with with uh, with representation. Without and, representation. Well, no taxation without representation. Yeah, and there you go. we so that's in our that's like in our blood man like yeah. that's who that's red white and blue that that's every fourth <laughs> of july is you can't tell us what to do we're by the people for the people um i mean how does that how does that how does that jive in our because it, it's our it's our it's the water that we're swimming in for the last almost 250 years it's the it, it's the psyche of uh, especially americans who have been uh uh, like me, uh, generations of Americans. Um, is it is is there a difference between kind of that kind of patriotism and uh, what Jesus is saying? Are they contradictory in nature? So is that is that a way of asking? Like, is it contradictory to to Christianity? for the the founding fathers of this country to have done what they did is that what the the question is yeah i'm not trying to set it up that way but um i mean is is that a question even worth asking today i mean because i i think what happens is christians are quick to take the the revolution mentality which can um underneath the auspice of kind of any you know the, a, a mob like mentality can be co-opted for just rebellion just for the sake of rebellion or for revolution for the sake of revolution and can actually begin to bleed into what Jesus has actually taught us but what we've been authorized to do and not do and what it means for him to be our king what it means to be a part of the Christian polity by um you know um by, by by being a citizen of the kingdom of god versus how we interact with other nations um what is there what like is there any kind of line that when it gets crossed christians have a a, a new and particular authority freedom in christ to respond to the, a government a certain way you know, like if they start taking away our freedoms, right? They start the government. Let's just say, I mean, this just say total random scenario. Let's say that our government, even even the party that has for a while traditionally lined up with Christian values about marriage, and then that party begins to fraction up, and even the conservative party in America begins to affirm through their policies that marriage can be between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. And 
it begins to threaten the freedom of churches to preach that or practice that or exclude members from their churches based on their convictions. When our freedoms start to get taken away and or there's a concern that our freedom would be taken away. I mean, is there is there any kind of line like that that when it gets crossed, well, there, then there's a different set of instruction that kicks in that Jesus has for us in those cases. Does that make sense? Because yeah. everyone, I think generally everyone would say Christians are not rabble-rousers. We're not supposed to be uh, just causing a, a stir for no reason. But when you pin us into a corner... What are we going to do politically and um, as citizens in a country? Is there a line that happens when something changes for us? See, I, one of the very difficult things about answering questions like this is that we end up almost answering the question as universally true for every person you know, across the country. So it comes out like, well, if you're a Christian, then you have an obligation to do X. And I don't think, I don't think that's we have the ground in Scripture to do that. You know. Mm-hmm. So here, here's what I here's how I would say it, um, and and maybe go about answering that question, uh, mm-hmm. or even beginning to get us thinking about that question. Th- there was a, a uh, an act that was passed yesterday by the Senate, yeah, which is that's what the, I had, had that in my mind. Yeah, which is the, um, respect I can't remember what they called act. it. What is respect, it? Respect for Marriage Act. Yeah. Perhaps no more ironically titled uh, yeah. act in you all of two human words. history. Respect and marriage at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, okay, so they passed this act and they they've basically they've they've not in the terms of the of of um, of recognizing so-called same-sex marriage and and things like that. They haven't really done anything that the Supreme Court didn't do in 2015. However, in the rest of the law, they have essentially given an open door. It seems like to begin going after um, any organization, any adoption agency, any uh, that, uh, church that would consider cake itself cake baker. Yeah. yeah. Well, and maybe we, th- there's some debate as to what it's going to do, but the, the suggestion is that they're able now to go after anyone who takes government money of any kind or right. has tax exemption. Right, you know, and um, take away their tax exemption, perhaps even um, go into litigation, and so you you potentially could have any Christian agency or Christian organization, church, even school that is nonprofit um, that uh, has that that tax break now having their their nonprofit status taken away because of their position on marriage, on mm-hmm. the historical definition of marriage. Mm-hmm. So um, 
so yeah, I, I think there, there's how, how do I think the the way that I would respond to that question is to say how how am what am I going to do as a pastor? Mm-hmm. How are my actions going to change mm-hmm. in response to this pa- the passage of this law? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer is they're not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to preach what the text says and lay it out there for the people that are in my church. We're going to apply it. Um, I don't think, honestly, in the five-plus years that I've been here, um, that I've I've not dealt with a passage um, that is squarely about sexual ethics um, in, in regards to Scripture. Matthew five. Um, at least, at least not in uh, any more than an applicational way. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there, there's things that have applied to situations like this, or male, female, or you know, a gender relationships, things like that. Mm-hmm. But never like a text that just basically kind of, you know, First Corinthians six, one uh, six, you know, nine and ten, or something like that. You know, I've not mm-hmm. dealt with a passage like that yet. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, I, I, I would say I won't, there's nothing that will change about mm-hmm. the way that I preach and about what I preach. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if, the, if in response to that, the government comes and either takes away tax-exempt status or, um, I mean, what arrests me or something like that like they do now and i think canada is doing that now yeah what do i what change what do i do mm-hmm. and i will go to jail mm-hmm. i mean so when that, I, when we when we got on the started recording earlier and you shared your screen why did you have blueprints of the capitol building up on your <laughs> on your screen <laughs> i'm just kidding that is that's, not true that's not true <laughs> that is fake news so All you're right? saying you so are you're, fake you're news. saying you're saying they take our freedom away they take our 501c3 away they say you're going to go to jail if you don't do these marriages you're going to go to jail if you don't uh, uh let lgbtq people say we are this way and i want to be a member of your church that you're just going to go to jail yeah you're not gonna. You're not gonna fight it. You're not gonna appeal it. You're not gonna. Are you gonna get an attorney? Are you gonna? Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think there's there's decent uh, backing in scripture that you have rights as a citizen to be able to um, pursue litigation or defend yourself in court. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul does that all the yeah. way up to up to you know uh, Caesar. Yep. So. You know, I think there, there's good reason to say we have a, a right to go civilly to the magistrate and mm-hmm. and plead our case through whatever legal means that we've got available to us. Mm-hmm. But forcible action is a step further than that. Uh, like, um, I mean, by that I mean, you know, actually taking up weapons or something like that. You know, is a mm-hmm. is a different matter entirely. Mm-hmm. And I and uh, I don't see warrant in Scripture to do that. I see a command to continue preaching and not obey, not submit mm-hmm. to the government in those in regards to that. 
And I see also a uh, take your lumps. You know, if it comes to you, if it's persecution comes to you, then you take it. And he'll give you the strength to endure. So like right now, it terrifies me to think of that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what I'm promised is that, you know, he, he will, his mercies are made new every day. That he'll supply the grace and the mercy that it takes for me to make it and the endurance. So I just trust that what terrifies me now won't terrify me then, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess you just do it. Yeah. So, but then how do you, so like pull that back and go, now apply that to, you know, every single person. Are there people in this, you know, in this world, if, if, uh, let's say it's not in our country, but let's say our country is going to war and they bring back conscription. So they're, they're drafting people into the military. Is, is every Christian obligated to say, I don't fight. I don't pick up weapons. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't think you can make that blanket policy of saying no Christian could ever fight in the army. You know, mm-hmm. I don't see yeah. that in scripture. A universal yeah. pacifism that right. yeah, yeah. doesn't allow for the government to actually do what it's supposed to do in, uh, in an international sense or even in an internal sense in its own government right? By to inf- actually enforce a law um, or a punishment of a law um, whether it's between nations or with, within a nation, right? right? And it doesn't prohibit the Christians' permission to do what God has asked the government to do, right? Which, but is, it gets. This right. is why I think it gets really dicey because if, but we would go after, and we would think it would be good to go after anyone who was a Nazi soldier during World War II who served in a concentration camp. Right. And put people to death. But some of them were forced to do that. They were conscripted into the military. I think anyway, I should say, I think that's, I think there were some that were conscripted. So if you're if you're in Germany in 1940 and you're drafted into the German, the Nazi military Mm -hmm. and you're, you're stationed at, um, you know, Dachau or any one of the concentration camps, Mm-hmm. You know, and you're you're here's your post. This is your job. You pull the lever on the gas chamber. At what point does does the pastor say you can't do that as a Christian? You know, mm-hmm. you, and you're you're now you can serve in a military and you can you know fight, but you can't do that's a bridge too far. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, there's it doesn't. It's almost like you have to kind of go case by case and leave much of this, like set the principles. We're not going to kill innocent people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But a soldier fighting a soldier is a different matter, but we don't kill innocent people. And then after laying out those principles in God's word, then turn it over to the conscience of the Christian and let the Holy Spirit lead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm way off base. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Um, 
in terms of whether you should fight in that particular war or not. Yeah, like trusting that that storm the capital for that matter. Yeah, so like, well, I don't know about that. (laughs) So, I mean, yes, letting the Holy Spirit lead, yeah. But what I'm saying is, if we lay out the principles in God's Word rightly, and you have a, a someone in your pew who is a Christian who believes the Word and is understanding what you're laying out in Scripture, mm-hmm. then when when it comes to a situation like serving in in a 1940s German military or being being you know. Um, you know, somebody coming up to you and saying, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to go storm the Capitol on, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then, um, you, you have, you have that kind of proper frame of reference through God's word to say, uh, no, that's a bridge too far, but the, but the Holy spirit is going to, is leading the person in that. Does that make, that make sense? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like, yeah, I think my concern fuzzy is that, is and we that would you, like, you have this, you, you potentially, you don't, we should not be creating kind of a division between like, the Bible says these things, and, but what you really have to do is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as if those two are opposed to one another, you know, and I know you're not saying that, but. The, but like when you, when it comes to putting those principles into action, mm-hmm. isn't the Holy Spirit the one that's going to you know, for his people kind of go, that is a, that is against, that's against the word. Yeah. I think my concern is that the potential is the, the dichotomy between the word and following the spirit. And, you know, the spirit has itself given us the word, like the, the Bible didn't just kind of drop here. It's not written by men. It is, God's revelation of himself for the church by the spirit to know his will to follow him and obey him Mm -hmm. and Paul says it is useful for correction for reproof for training and righteousness so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work Mm -hmm. so the Bible itself is claiming under the, uh, the spirit's authority that it is sufficient in helping us know how to live a righteous life. Right. How to do what is right by God. So, yeah, when it comes to... So I just want to be careful with that, that we don't accidentally leave room for a false distinction that, you know, should I do this war? Should I go here? My, my only help in that is just kind of do it following the Spirit right now. Yeah. Um, but the answer is also yes. Is the is is the Lord and the Spirit leading me? Is it is He pricking my conscience? What Scripture is coming to my mind when I pray? Am I feeling bound? Am I feeling freed? Is the Lord helping me? You know, and we 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 should do this all the time in terms of evangelism or encouraging church members. Um, is the Lord leading you to go see that sick person? Um, is is yeah. the Lord saying, "Hey, prompting you? Hey, you should go talk to that person across the room. Ask them how they're how you're doing, uh, how they're doing, and if you can pray for them." Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. Um, but 
it, it's not that that that, is, that would be my concern with that answer. It's just the potential okay. dichotomy, and I know that's not what you meant. No, but. I know, but but there's there's something like in my mind that I'm thinking that um, where this, you know, let, let's say somebody in your congregation comes in and says, uh, I'm being uh, conscripted, drafted into the the military. And um, in I cannot conscientiously serve as mm. a Christian. Do you say to that person, there's nothing in the Bible that prohibits you from serving, so you'd be in sin not to serve? Right. Or do you say, uh, then follow the, your conscience. Mm-hmm. Follow the prompting of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way, the question is how would I pastor my church member in that first is we would look at Scripture first and pray in response to it. Yeah. What? So you start with the principle that you did uh, yeah. in our conversation. You start with yeah. Jesus and the kingdom and the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And you go, is can you see in extremely broad strokes an application to your question? Yeah. Uh, no, I can't. Okay, well, so we have some more questions to ask. We, we're yeah. going to Romans 13. We're going to 1 Peter 2 yeah. uh, and the relationship with the government. We're going to go to Revelation eventually and talk about what God is doing among the nations. And after you've done that, if you're going, I still can't tell if this is a just war or not. Yeah, that I should be a part of, um, that those things haven't canceled out. They haven't answered my question for me. Then absolutely, you're going to have to go. I'd, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to go to sleep at night with a clean yeah. conscience that I'm walking with the Lord or I'm not. And you yeah. have to prayerfully and courageously make a decision one way or the other. And that's what I'm saying is like when we come to a situation like this, we, we're our temptation is to go. We want black and white lines. On mm-hmm. every situation, when it's okay to do this, when it's not okay to do that, when it's, you know, and so that I know in every situation how to perfectly follow the the, the Lord's will as revealed in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those are good instincts. We want to do that, and I think the reason we want to do that is out of uh, really uh, Christ-honoring motives. To, mm-hmm. to say, I want the word to actually lead my life. At the same time, I don't think every situation can be drawn out in black and white, and the spirit does have a place in leadership of us. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's going to be some people inside the church, Christ-honoring people, who say, I don't see where guns have a place in my home. So let's let's bring it down from get it out of military and let's just bring it down to the very personal level. Mm-hmm. I don't see a place that where guns uh, are are allowed for a Christian in my home, and I can't I can't own one. Mm-hmm. And then other people that say I don't see how I can love my wife and my kids and not defend their their life with by whatever means necessary if an intruder were to break in something like mm-hmm. that right and so you got two people on different sides and both can be led by the spirit in those directions and still both honoring the word right yeah i think um the question would be are you 
are you suggesting the spirit can lead two different people to two different decisions and they and they both be right and they're opposite yes. decisions yes and that that's the question that we need to hear and what would be the difference between discerning when that's a good thing and when someone is actually contradicting scripture here yeah and may not be following the spirit yeah the spirit is not going to lead anyone to do what is contrary to his own revelation in scripture right so that becomes a so for example there and and they're de- we're definitely going to be talking about amoral things here the 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 spirit will never lead someone to sin in right. order to somehow produce righteousness. Correct. Um, that's that, I think that should be a given. An example right. would be, I think it's Acts 13 or so, when maybe somewhere later, when, when Paul wants to go into Bithynia, um, but he's, he's hindered by the spirit to, from going there, and he prays and tries to go again, and he's hindered again. Then he ends up going to Thessalonica, and he ends up writing Thessalonians uh, later on. So we get a book of the Bible out of Paul not going into Bithynia. Now, Paul wasn't Paul wasn't on his way to a strip joint in Bithynia, and God was like saving him from sin. It right. was this is a, this is a different plan for your life. Paul has a right. different direction the Spirit wants him to go that that Paul couldn't have seen. So we're definitely talking about uh, a- amoral things. Yeah. And you have to be able to determine on, on some level this is really a defense of the sufficiency of Scripture for righteousness. Yeah. Which is 2 Timothy 3.16. Is, uh, can it help me sufficiently know the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness? And because I think that the, a regular pushback is that... Um, the, the word is kind of there and it's kind of a guide, but how we really get to righteousness and we really know what to do is by following the Spirit. And, mm. and another another error could be, like, all you need is the Bible and the, the Holy Spirit is like this plan B for those, you know, r- really rare scenarios <laughs> where you don't know what to do. And so, you, you know, you call the Spirit like a lifeline on who wants to be a millionaire when you, when you don't know what to do, you know, and but mi- minimize the Spirit to like a religious eight ball or something. Um, that's another I, ditch to fall in. I, I feel like where I want to be, where I'm trying to be, mm-hmm. is a person who sees the Word as instructive for life and relies on the Spirit to interpret and apply in any situation they're in where the two are working together mm-hmm. the spirit through his word mm-hmm. and but but I, I I do think the spirit brings conviction about certain issues as an example that would be totally a, a, you know outside of this whole example that we've been using alcohol there are some who whose conscience will not let them drink alcohol for one reason or another. Maybe history, mm-hmm. maybe family history, whatever. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a number of people that have freedom in doing that. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, as Paul kind of gives this example of the way the body works together, 
mm-hmm. is that that the the spirit does that with intention so that the members of the body learn how to serve one another because they're not identical mm-hmm. and they they don't see the world in exactly mm-hmm. the same way yeah and they can the person who drinks alcohol will uh, give up his right and freedom in the presence of the one who can't in order to serve that person mm-hmm. and to to serve their conscience, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, so the person who feels as though they have more freedom, I think Paul refers that as the, the stronger brother or the one that feels like they have less freedom as the weaker brother, um, that the stronger will serve the weaker. Mm-hmm. And that that's there's there's purpose there, God's purpose of not making everyone see the world in those black and white terms in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them are scri- scripture doesn't say, therefore you must drink alcohol, right? right it It doesn't prohibit the drinking of alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it, it leaves, you know, it, but it does put guidelines on it. Yeah. Drunkenness is out of the out of you know out of uh, it's a, order. It's sin. It, yeah, yeah, it's sin. Uh, and and so you know it, it puts parameters on it, but but it leaves it, it basically sets a fence around the yard, but allows for people to play in different parts of the yard. And there's clearly things that are outside the yard, but things that are inside the yard are in play. And those are, those are fine. And you're going to have different people in different parts of the yard and, and that's okay. And the design is that you live together. You learn to accept one another. So that, that being applied now to like serving in the military or things like that, there's going to be soldiers who are serving Christ who feel like it is their, um, it's their duty um, to love their nation and to love their neighbor, to, to serve in that way. And there, there, there might be people also who feel in more of kind of a pacifistic direction that I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't even own guns in my house, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it would be a, a sin for me to do that. Mm-hmm. And both of them have to learn to accept one another in the body. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I, I think we're kind of asking the question, at what point do you land in Romans 14 to be your guide in your conversation? Romans 14, Paul's talking about the weaker brothers and the stronger brothers, those who observe different days, those who esteem all days alike, those who have differences that seem to um, differences that seem not to be absolutely explicit in scripture or uh, moral in some way right like what do we what do we do with those and paul actually comes to address that in a church that has a lot of differences between like jews and gentiles for example they have a, have a lot of differences culturally and, pro- and religiously in their in their practice and paul's trying to give them um like concrete ways to live with each other on issues on on which they they differ. So you'll see Paul say a few things like for example, uh, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Romans 14 verse 10. Um, or why do you despise your brother? Or you look at someone who's made a different choice than you and you despise them. And 
Paul's point is, eventually in Romans fourteen twelve, we're all going to give an account to God Himself, and part of His reminder in in the passage is actually an, an implication of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. When He talks about uh, Jesus uh, raising from the dead, His His point is that uh, Jesus has died; He is raised from the dead. Therefore, when it comes to matters of dispute, Jesus is the Lord. He is the judge of the living and the dead. And it's before him that we're all going to stand. It's before him that we're all going to answer. If we live to the Lord, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live, whether we die, we are the Lord's. And then Romans 14, 9, for to this end, Christ died. So this is the purpose. This is part of the purpose for which Jesus died. Christ died and lived again, that He, the Jesus, might be Lord both of the dead and the living. So why do you pass judgment on your brother? If you come to a place where there are amoral decisions to make or difficult immoral, difficult moral decisions to determine, um, or even diff- difficult questions about uh, the work of the Spirit and revivals and charisma, there can become a point where your judgment on them as a pastor or as a brother and sister ultimately becomes a you coming over and bumping Jesus out of his chair and saying, I'll be the judge. Mm. I I will judge. And it's like, and, and Paul's whole point is, no, when Christ died and lived again, He's a judge of the living and the, and, and the dead. There's nowhere in the world on either side of existence or reality where Jesus isn't the final judge of everything mm-hmm. that we're doing. So when you judge, be careful like that, to always submit to Jesus. And so in, to take the case, the case for alcohol, for example, um, under Jesus' authority, his authorized apostle, Paul, in Romans, or excuse me, in Ephesians 5, we have a command not to be drunk. Yeah. So if someone shows up and says, I just really feel led by the Spirit that um, drunkenness is helping me. Drunkenness helps me get to sleep at night. Drunkenness helps me deal with my emotions after a long week. It really helps me check out. Yeah. Well, that's not okay. There's right. an explicit command that uh, we are not to be drunk. Yeah, uh, and likewise, when it comes to the what we kept talking about earlier with Storm in the Capitol— Jesus seems to apply his kingdom to that specific example and says, yes. that's not what my kingdom is about. Yes. So should, it's out of bounds. Should you have a cat or a dog? Um, we all know Jesus prefers dogs above cats, but uh, so maybe not. Naturally. There, there's, no, there's no moral determination on those things. But you, yeah, in, in Jesus' in, you know, in, in uh, speech in his trial about the kingdom— I mean, it has huge implications, huge yeah. implications. And that, that, that's, that's one of those statements, too, that, like, y- when you think about if you, you know, if you have an arrow pointing a certain direction, right, if you just move it one degree from the left to the right, either, either direction, the farther you get away from that arrow, the bigger that divergence becomes. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. just one degree... But that one degree a mile away is going to be how, how many how, you know, how far apart from the path that you might have shot that arrow on. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that's the kind of statement that Jesus gives on the, the cross that seems like an application. It's so broad and it's so big that you ought to be really jealous to stick close to what Jesus is saying about the difference between the two kingdoms and, and who has authority to do what. And if mm-hmm. Jesus, our king, can himself say, my kingdom is not of this world, if it were, we would fight, and he goes to the cross. And that's, that's, that's our king telling us how to engage or showing us an example for how to en- engage. Now, you could potentially have the argument, well, he was dying for sin, he was in atonement, he was, uh, of course, he had to go to the cross and die. But that's not what he said. Right. He didn't say, I've got to go, hey, guys, this is an exception. I've got to go be the atonement. No, his answer was, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. And if it were. Flesh. And if it were, we would do that. Yeah. yeah. But since yeah. it's not, we don't. It's not. So that becomes the Christian understanding of uh, a fundamental understanding of how Christians under the the kingship of Christ relate to the kings of the world. Yeah. But in a situation where the government is going, we're going to war with this particular country for for what all we all we know as citizens seems to be a just war, it would be permissible for a Christian to serve in that and not rebel against the government but follow governmental orders and you might even say that would be the norm. But it's possible that there could be some that would feel like it is unjust and and for one reason or another and, you know, might rebel. In which case, I think in those kinds of situations, it's very difficult because you kind of have to say, well, you know, I don't don't know. I have limited knowledge, you know, about Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it might be where we have to say, you know, God is going to ultimately judge all of us, mm-hmm. you know, for what, what we've done. And we're going to have to trust that this person who we, we believe to be our brother or sister is mm-hmm. following their, their, the spirit's guidance. And, and, we're, you know, we have to say, you know what I mean? Like in, in mm-hmm. situations like that where it becomes really foggy. However, when it, there are things that I think are abundantly clear like with this law being passed and and potentially what that might mean for churches and things like that, I, I've always been in, um, been kind of fueled or it's been maybe one of the more uh, thought provoking passages I think in Revelation is um, Revelation thirteen five to ten, where he says, and the beast was given the beast being the governmental authority Mm -hmm. Uh, and the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months Mm -hmm. it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against god blaspheming his name and his dwelling that is those who dwell in heaven also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to Mm -hmm. conquer them and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written in, before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone 
is to be taken captive to captivity he goes Mm -hmm. if anyone is to be slain with the sword with the sword must he be slain Mm -hmm. here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints Mm -hmm. to me that could not be clearer Mm -hmm. as to what the obligation is when there comes a time to rebel against the the beast who is uttering blasphemous words and comes after you for not participating or for speaking contrary to the beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're dragging you away to captivity, they're killing you, they're doing this this it couldn't be any clearer what the command is. Mm-hmm. If you're taken captive to captivity he goes. Mm-hmm. If you're to be slain by the sword, the sword you must be slain. Mm-hmm. I mean that's like a gut check, right? That's Yeah. That's the moment where you go, I'm not compromising what the word actually says. And I'm going to continue to preach it. I'm going to continue to, to live by it. So it's in some sense, there's there's areas where each Christian might be led somewhat differently on areas and matters where the scriptures haven't spoken specifically. Mm-hmm. And but but kind of leave a liberty, a Christian liberty. Um, to respond differently. Mm-hmm. But then in other situations where it is abundantly clear, there's no choice. And what is the re- recourse? Is it when when they come to drag you away to captivity or to kill you with the sword that you fight back? Well, it's not what it says. Mm-hmm. It says if anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. And that's the sword, I, I presume, wielded by the beast. Mm-hmm. Governmental force mm-hmm. yeah go to jail and yeah it it, it 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 begins to reveal that there's a there can be a struggle between i'm listening to the spirit and i want to know what to do by the spirit leading me and actually just really wrestling to pay the cost to be obedient yeah and so when when the bible goes uh, you know, being drunk is a sin, and you are really struggling to not be drunk with an addiction to alcohol. Uh, wisdom and reading your Bible is perfectly sufficient to say uh, you probably shouldn't have alcohol in your home. You shouldn't yeah. be. You shouldn't be drinking. Right. And uh, you know, does that mean you don't pray and ask the Spirit to lead you how to deal with this? Or when it comes to military campaigns and engagement or rebelling against your, your government, um, that you, you, you are not prayerfully asking and, and seeking the Lord's favor and, and asking the Lord God to search you. And, and like Psalm 139, even when you think you're right, asking for the Lord to search you and see if there's a grievous way in you that you don't even see, that you don't even, you're not even aware of. Absolutely. Um, but that does not mean that all morality is determined in the Christian life, or discovered, I should say, by how you feel led today. Hmm. That there's mm-hmm. a, there's going right. to be a, there's going to be a constant, um, I don't have a good word, but a, a, a constant relationship between the Word and the Spirit and your brothers and sisters around you who are in prayer and the 
and who are also in the Word, giving you counsel, and your pastor preaching sermons and giving you counsel from the Word, uh, so that you're you're getting to a, a place where you can have some confidence that you're walking in the, in the Lord's will. And I mean, I think this just comes down to largely to the um, the discernment between what is the will of the Lord and how do we what what really is the kind of will that the Lord is looking for from us to honor him and it is primarily righteousness and holiness not do you go through door A or B right when doors A and B are pretty much the same you know right if you're going to go into a war, and it's really difficult to tell if this is a good thing or not, um, you're probably free to make a conscience decision. Um, but if uh, if you know this is an unjust war, then your your conscience should be bound by Scripture. Yeah. Um, if, if but isn't you, this if, if go ahead. isn't this where it seems like the Lord wants his people is constantly in the word discerning mm-hmm. what's right in given situations and realizing. Yes. And here's, cause here's the problem. We, it, we're already misusing scripture. If we think I'm right. Most of the time I'm asking the right questions every now and then I get stuck yeah. And I need the Bible to help me. So i got to go read the Bible, and I use it like a, 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 a dictionary of decision-making. Yeah. What does it tell me to do when I get stuck? It's like a Ouija board idea about Scripture and, yeah. and even leading of the Holy Spirit versus every single day start with the premise, I don't know what to do today. I, I on, on a fundamental level of I am a man and God is God and he has revealed his word to me, I don't even know what moral questions I'm supposed to be asking. Yeah. I don't even know what dilemmas I'm in. How many times have you read the Bible and realized I didn't even know that was a thing? I didn't even realize that I could have been in, in sin. I didn't realize that was a question that I should be asking. I didn't realize the Bible even talks about that. Mm. Rather than, oh, you know, I got in, I got on on Twitter and I got in a debate. Now, God, I need the Bible to solve this, and that's kind of the the fullness of your Bible reading and understanding. I mean, we, you're you're already fundamentally using the Bible wrongly, yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna go into the Bible looking for answers to a question that you started, and we should do that. I mean, we should absolutely do. It. You have any question? Go to the Bible. But if that's the if that's the limit to your engagement with Scripture. Um, you're probably not even going to be asking the right questions in the first place. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think daily Bible reading, regular engagement in Scripture, and your— And also, I think, too, Ephesians 4, uh, 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, the building up of the body of Christ. That, that it seems like that— Bible study, you alone on your couch, is not the only intention of your of the word in front of you. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's meant to be done in fellowship with an entire church, mm-hmm. and 
those, especially those difficult situations where we're going, what, what should I do in a situation like this is there's consultation that should, should be done with Mm -hmm. mature brothers and sisters laying out the situation in front of them with pastors and teachers putting the situation in front of them and going, what is your read on this? You know, and letting other members of the body speak into those situations, you know, and saying, I think we're, we're obligated. I think that's outside of the bounds of scripture. I think, you know, I I don't think that's what the Lord would have us do. I think it's in flagrant disobedience to, to his word here and, and, you know, not trusting just what's between our own ears to, to be able to determine what scripture's saying, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think there's yeah. that too. And I think it's important to, to, that scripture should be read, not, not just, you know, at home on our couch, it should be that certainly, but, but also in conjunction with other believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it comes to situations like this, where, you know, wars and, and conscription and, and, self-defense laws and, you know, those kinds of things where it's like ah, two Christians may come to two different answers on this. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I think it's important to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, there, and there's just going to be times when I, I think one thing that's happened in the West in the last minute, however many years is our individualistic society that we're in and the self-identification culture that we're in and the consumeristic culture that has bled into the church has really created a space where we feel like you shouldn't ever have to go to a church where someone ever disagrees with you. You don't have to do that. Just go find somewhere where everyone agrees with you on, on more things. Um and also just the idea that disagreement is somehow possibly good and sanctifying for, for both of you in the church uh, on some things. And and just the idea of what it means to, to be sharpened by people. I mean, there's been a couple times our associate pastor who's come here, we disagreed on a few things. Uh, we were just talking about Christian nationalism last week, and we were seeing some things— I think kind of the same things, but from different ways and kind of, uh, you know, some slightly different views, although, you know, not ridiculously divergent. But it was so helpful. It was really, it was helpful to me to see some blind spots in my own ideals. You know, and he shared the same. Like, I still kind of think the way I thought, but that was actually really helpful to make me think about it differently and maybe recategorize how I think about other people, you know, th- that kind of thing. Uh, it's really good. And we're not, we're not talking about the virgin birth here, you know, and was Jesus. Right. We're, we're talking about what should Christians' relationship to their government be. And uh, it's really helpful uh, to be disagreed with. And I even felt loved uh, by him, being willing to just go, oh, well, you know, okay, Nathan said it, you know, or go talk about me somewhere else. But to actually stand there and say, I don't know, I think it could be different. And actually have a conversation about something that is you know, kind of, you know, we're, we are going to absolutely agree on Jesus and kingdom and our kingdom is not of this world and endure to some will go to the sword. You can't get yeah. away from that. And we're like four or five layers down yeah. to in 20, 
22 and this discussion of Christian nationalism and where we are right now, what are some answers for us? Yeah. Um, we could disagree all day right there, and that's fine. Well, and yeah, and, and, and I think we haven't even, <laughs> which I don't think we should necessarily dive into, you know, when it comes to an event like the storming of the Capitol January 6th, whatever that was, 2021. Um, like what the people that were there thought they were doing, what were the nuances of that event and things like that that took place. And, and I, I don't even want to get into that. Just just taking it on the surface, just the premise, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of, of doing that. Like I realize that there are people on multiple sides. What I find is it's, ve- it's becoming increasingly more difficult I don't know. Maybe it's always been this difficult, but it's, it seems like it's becoming increasingly more difficult Mm -hmm. for Christians to know what is, where, where there is liberty Mm -hmm. and where there must be unity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it doesn't even just apply to the politics stuff. Like Mm -hmm. this could be like, take this out of, out of politics and put this in, Mm -hmm. you know, certain doctrines creation what do you believe about the the age of the earth right like there are there are people that are having a hard time even on on issues like that determining where there can be liberty where that liberty goes outside the fence of orthodoxy and what somebody has to maintain in order to be a christian mm-hmm. you know and uh, I, I taught at a high school this couple weeks ago uh, about this very thing, about creation, and this is the reason I bring it up, is that it, most of them had never even considered a position of liberty and where the extent of liberty should, should go in a Christian worldview in regards to the doctrine of creation. Mm-hmm. And what's too far? What, what is what is too strict you know and uh and most of them had only ever heard one one position and it's like there can be no discussion amongst christians about these things and there can be no allowing liberty in these these certain ideas and and i think that's where the scriptures have to speak and have to say look paul sets a high bar He, he puts the threshold uh, it sets a really high threshold mm-hmm. for um, parting ways as Christians. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that the the you, on the whole, you are to strive to put disputes and disagreements aside. And uh, so, there should be a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. There should be a lot of labor, a lot of work with somebody who two people who identify as Christians who who say I I am a follower of Christ there should be a lot of work put in before there's ever a a, a point where we say well that's not Christian right like mm-hmm. we need some we need a lot of discussion a lot of work and I think far too often people are are willing to just say well those people aren't Christians because they you know they believe this about politics they follow this they're they're wanting to vote for this guy or or that lady or whatever and that that makes them they can't be a believer and the other person going well 
I I can't believe they don't have any more regard for our, our country than this, and, that, and that, therefore they're not a you know mm-hmm. yeah you're, you're kind of like well that Paul sets a really high threshold before you should do that mm-hmm. you know and there should be a lot of care taken mm-hmm. and far too quickly are we willing to just cast the other person off mm-hmm. uh, as reprobate because of some view that they hold when you dig down in scripture and you go actually I think maybe they might be able to hold that view <laughs> because it doesn't you know you know you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's um I think it becomes really challenging for us especially mm-hmm. in this day and age and it seems like people are far too willing and don't know where those parameters are and where they mm-hmm. should be mm-hmm. yeah yeah and we I just need a lot of humility as well I I think that's an area that I could certainly grow is um I couldn't you know, yeah well, <laughs> well I, I, I don't know I disagree um, <laughs> um but just just learning learning the disposition of humility without forsaking biblical truth and convictions yeah um when scripture is clear speak clearly when scripture is difficult to discern and it has been for millennia uh be very humble and charitable uh with each other yeah yeah amen it's a good place to leave so what do i what do i do with your facebook post about something being invited to the to the capital of my are you canceling that or are we going to do that or (laughs) (laughs) i just you my my hope is that some member of yours is listening to this podcast and then like something like their their internet feed cuts out and that's all they hear at the end and then they're calling you going michael (laughs) yeah well i think most everybody in my congregation knows i don't even have facebook so (laughs) just the very notion yeah yeah is preposterous on its face but Mm. yeah well all right i think it's it's helpful it's i hope you know it's i think in situations like this it's sort of like clear as mud you know Mm -hmm. and but the reality is i think and what we come down to is we've got to be immersed in the word both individually in community with other brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. under the authority of pastoral leadership you know and uh as as pastors and teachers in our church who don't compromise the word and who earnestly seek to lay it out in front of the congregation are also trying to live by it and i think it ends up being we're not going to be able to walk we're going to be this whole world that we're looking at through the lens of scripture is we're going to see through uh, you know the glass darkly you know it's it's going to be a dim viewing and we're we're not going to have everything illuminated perfectly for us mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot of work and it's hard and there's some things that that seem pretty clear and then there's other things that seem maybe less so and yeah. those i think need even more investigation and more discussion and more counsel you know, to understand what our obligations are as Christians and how we should mm-hmm. follow the word. But if that's our guiding light, I think, you know, the Lord will lead us. And yes, we will all answer before the Lord one day. And mm-hmm. we're going to have a host of things that we got wrong for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think we're also going to see where the Spirit has guided us along mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. um, and it led us to pleasant places. Thanks, man. 
Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast. Thank you.